This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're continuing our sermon series on uh, Before You Lose Your Faith, and today we talk about power and especially the abuse of power. And really, this is a a question that's, that the, the church has been wondering about for, for really thousands of years. Really, it was a, a question that at the heart of the Reformation, something that we celebrate today. And we'll be focusing on the words from Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 20, where Jesus discusses power. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we came here to hear from you, to receive your forgiveness, to receive your acceptance, to receive your wisdom. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would speak through your word, speak through your sacrament, And don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. This phrase was written in 1887 by a man named Lord Acton. And he was actually writing a letter to the Archbishop of England because he was concerned about the abuse of power. And he was concerned how the Archbishop was kind of excusing the abuse of power, especially among the religious leaders and the political leaders. And and so much in this letter is is profound and wise. And I'd encourage you, if you have some time, to look it up online. It's, It's there for everyone to see. But I want us to, to really dig into this phrase and see... Is it true? Is it true that power tends to corrupt and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely? Well, it seems to be true. It seems like like a law, like almost like a law of nature, like a law of gravity, that if I was to drop this Bible, 
it's going to fall to the ground. That's the law of gravity, right? Or the, the law of motion, that an object in motion tends to stay in motion. This just seems to be the law of power. The more power you have, the more corrupt you will be. That's how it seems to work. In fact, we can look especially into the Christian church and see the abuse of power. One of the issues that happened 500 years ago during the time of the the Lutheran Reformation was the abuse of power. And Martin Luther, one of his his questions was, who gets the authority? Who has the power? And we all know those times where, where the church as an institution, maybe as an organization, maybe a Christian leader, abused power. They've been corrupt. And so it seems like when you have power, you're going to be corrupt. We're continuing this sermon series, Before You Lose Your Faith. And in this sermon series, we're acknowledging that some well-known Christians have publicly renounced their faith. Uh, people like the, the writer of the best-selling book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, Joshua Harris. He's publicly on Instagram renounced his faith. Marty Sampson, one of the lead musicians in Hillsong, the, the largest, most well-known Christian band in the world, also on Instagram renounced his faith. He doesn't want anything to do with Christianity anymore. Or Abraham Piper, the son of the famous preacher John Piper, also, again, on Instagram, ridiculing the Christian church and the Christian faith. Now, maybe those names are not household names to you, but you all know somebody who's walked away from Christianity. Maybe it's a son or a daughter, a family member, a friend. You know somebody's walked away from Christianity. Maybe even you here, you're kind of on the brink You're questioning Christianity, and maybe one of the concerns that you have is corruption. You've looked into the the Christian church. You know its history. You know what happens inside the Christian church. You know a Christian leader. You know somebody who was corrupt, and you see that corruption, and you're losing your faith. And so today we want to ask a really important question. Does Christianity have a power problem? Does Christianity have a power problem? And to answer that question, we're going to go back to our text from Matthew chapter 20. Now in context, if you were to read the the surrounding section, Jesus has just uh, told his disciples, I'm about to be handed over to the Gentiles. They're going to torture me. They're going to flog me. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to die. And on the third day, be raised to life. This is what I'm going to do. I'm about to go die. And after he talks about his own giving up of his life, this is what happens. Then, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with their sons, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. So Jesus just said, I'm about to be crucified. And the only thing on their mind is, can we get a place of power? Now, Zebedee's sons, this would have been James and John. Uh, They're already two of the most well-known disciples. They're kind of already part of Jesus' inner circle of Peter, James, and John. And they saw Jesus as kind of a king who was about to start a kingdom. 
and they wanted to make sure that they were going to be in places of power and privilege. And so they used their, their mother and said, Mom, go ask Jesus. He's not going to deny you. Go, go ask Jesus if we can be in, in the places of power. Well, Jesus saw their request, and this is how he responded. He says, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't get it. You don't get what my kingdom's all about. You don't understand power. You don't understand what, what Christianity is all about. You don't understand what you're asking. You don't understand what I'm going to suffer. And you don't understand that, that these places of honor and, and power are not for me to grant. These will be given out by my Father. Now Luke records that while these two disciples are trying to get power and possession and and privilege to to get to these these places to, to lord power over the rest of the disciples, they're watching. And Luke tells us, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Now, we don't know all the reasons why they were upset. We don't know all their motivations, but we can at least say this. They had a reason to be angry. They had a reason to be angry. This was a wicked request that the disciples, these two disciples were trying to jockey for position, that they're trying to to get these places of power and privilege to lord it over other people. This is a wicked request. So they have every reason to to be upset. They were using Jesus to get power. They were using Jesus to get power. And this answers our opening question. Does Christianity have a power problem? Yes. It does. And we can see it right here. Even with the the first two disciples, there's a problem here. They were using Jesus to get a place of power. And this is one of the things that Luther pointed out 500 years ago. That the papacy was using Jesus to lord it over other people. And we can look at other Christian institutions throughout history. How they used Jesus to control people. We can can look at, at Christian churches. We can look at Christian leaders who used Jesus to control people. And I can see it in my own heart. The temptation to use Jesus to get glory for myself, to get recognition for myself, to get control for myself, to use Jesus for my own power. So does Christianity have a power problem? Yes. So what's the solution? Well, is the solution, well, then we just need to leave Christianity. Maybe that's what you're thinking. You know, I've seen it in the church. I've seen this corruption. I've seen this power problem. Maybe I'll leave church. I'll leave Christianity and I'll join another movement. I'll, I'll join a movement that doesn't have so much power. 
I'll join a movement that, 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 that maybe is, is for the victim. And maybe if I leave Christianity, maybe there's another movement, another organization, another group of people that isn't so controlled by power. Well, if you think the answer to the power problem is to leave Christianity, well, Jesus goes on to explain this. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Jesus says, you know that the rulers of this world, they use power to control people. You look politically, you look organizationally, you look out there and power is a pervasive problem. It's not just something that's inside of the Christian church. It's everywhere. And we can look at all these other secular organizations and they have a power problem too. I mean, the most obvious, you, you look back in history, I mean, the obvious one that everyone jumps to is, is, is Hitler, right? He used his dynamic power of persuasion, of his eloquence, to convince the people that, that he was the answer and, and that what, what, what they could do to get power and, and, and security and peace was make a pure race and get rid of the Jews and killed at least six million Jews in the process. Or Stalin, who used his, his power and his persuasion to convince people that Christianity was the problem, religion was the problem, and the answer was communism. And he said anyone that's really standing in the way of communism was standing in the way of progress and he thought that 40 million of his own people were standing in his way. So he killed 40 million of his own people with his power. But it's not just in those great big movements. We see them in smaller movements. Even today, you look and they're in every movement, there is a power problem. We, we see it also in our businesses and our organizations. Maybe you see this with a boss or a coworker that's using power to control somebody. We see it in family and family dynamics there, where one person is, is using their physical power, intellectual power, financial power to control their spouse or control someone else. We see that that power is pervasive because it's not just a Christian thing, it's a human problem because it's something that resides inside of the human heart. It's pervasive. And so what are we supposed to do? If we can't find the solution outside of Christianity by leaving Christianity, by losing our faith, as if uh, we're going to find some perfect organization or movement outside of Christianity, what are we supposed to do? Well, Jesus gives the answer. He looks at his followers and he says, I know you see problems out there. I know you see problems in here amongst the disciples. And he looks at them and he says, but not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must give themselves up and act like a slave to them. Jesus says that Christians are called to use their power differently. You have power, acknowledge you have power, but now use that power to serve. Use the power that you have to, to be, put yourself under people willingly, not forced to be under people, 
Not to be enslaved, but to treat yourself as someone who serves other people. Use that power to serve. That's the answer. Now, anyone can teach those kinds of things. Many people have. Many people have taught that, but only one person actually lived it. Jesus didn't just teach it with words. He lived it. Everybody has a, a philosophy, an ideology. Everybody thinks they have this, this utopian dream, this, this answer to the world's problems. And they teach lots of things, but only Jesus lived it. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't just teach using power to serve. He lived it. He is the almighty God, the almighty God with almighty power, and he used his almighty power to lift you up, to pour out his life for you, to forgive you of all of your sins. He's seen all the ways that you and I have abused power, and he decided to make himself nothing so that you can be everything before the Father. So you can get rid of the guilt and shame of your past. He used his power and his privilege. He gave it all up for you. In fact, uh, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a section written by the Apostle Paul from Philippians chapter 2 where, where he brings out this idea. Here's kind of a paraphrase to bring out this idea of Jesus and his use of power. Jesus, who being in the very nature the all-powerful God, did not use his power for his own privilege. Rather, he poured out his power until he was empty, taking the very nature of a powerless human. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the place of limitless power and gave him the name above all, all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, power is not the problem. It's what's in your heart. It's how you use that power. Actually, power... Um, just magnifies what's inside of you. It, 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 it's like an x-ray. It's like a spiritual x-ray. Power shows what's inside of you. And when Jesus, when we see it's inside of Jesus, we see love. Power magnifies what's inside of you. Power shows what's inside of you. And so although I, I appreciate and I'm, I'm kind of moved by so much of what Lord Acton believed and wrote in that letter, I don't know if I agree with this idea that power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Instead, as one writer put it, I think we should say it this way. Power makes corruption apparent. And absolute power makes corruption absolutely apparent. Power just reveals what's on the inside. It just, it's a catalyst. It just, it just magnifies it. It shows what's on the inside. And so that's where we really need to focus. We need to focus on our hearts. Instead of leaving Christianity or finding some other answer out there, what we need to do is be changed in our hearts so that the power that we have been given, we use it properly. And so here's the answer. Here's the takeaway. Use your power or our power to serve. Use your power to serve. 
Use your power to serve. But how do you do that? How do you actually use your power to serve? What does that look like? Well, uh, I've, I've referenced uh, this woman's writing before. I, I really appreciate so much of what she's writing. Uh, she's a Christian counselor, Diane Lamberg, and she wrote in, in a recent book, Redeeming Power, she wrote this. I think it's so, so helpful. She says, Every drop of power you and I hold is shared power, given to us by the one who holds it all. It is not ours, it is his. He has shared what is rightfully his with us. And so first of all, we need to acknowledge that that everything we have, all of our power is derivative. All of our power is something that was given to us as a gift. We have not conjured up or created this power on its own. Any power that we have, God has given to us. And now in her book, she she highlights at least four different types of power that God has given to us. And now we have a choice. How are we going to use that power? What does it say about our heart? So first of all, physical power. All of us have physical power over somebody except the the smallest of us. Uh, A husband might be physically stronger than his wife. A mother might be physically stronger than her children. A child might be physically stronger than their siblings or their friends. And and you can't ignore that. It just is. Somebody is stronger than somebody else. It's all about what are you going to do with that? If your heart is hard and you're insecure, you're going to use that power to control other people, to scare other people, to intimidate people. But if your heart has been changed by the gospel, by the one who gave up his life to serve, you're going to use that physical power to make people feel safe around you. To make your your wife feel safe around you and safe around other people. To make your children feel safe and loved and secure. To make other people feel safe around you if your heart's been changed by the gospel. That's how you use physical power. Verbal power. Some of you have, have the, the power of words. You're eloquent. You, you know just what to say. To, you, you have a word that could break someone's back or you have a word that can heal somebody's heart. Now, if your heart is hard, you know just the right word to say or not to say at just the right moment to hurt or harm the people closest to you. But if your heart's been changed by the gospel, by Jesus who gave up his life to serve, you know exactly what to say to build people up, to comfort people, to give them hope. That's verbal power, and it's all about your heart. She goes on to say there's also emotional power. Some of you have this deep empathy. You can feel the emotions in the room. You could tell what everybody's feeling in this room, the people around you, you can feel their emotions. You have this deep emotional power. And if your heart is hard, you can manipulate emotions. You can change how people feel. You know what to say. You know what to not say. You know when to ignore people. You know when to see people. You know what to do to to harm people. Or you can use that emotional power to build up, to encourage, to take away people's fear, their anxiety, their feelings of being depressed because you have this emotional power and you've been changed by the love of God. And when you want to use that power to serve. Finally, financial power. You have this money. 
Maybe you know the money in your, in your family. You know how, how much money you bring in as a family. And if you're insecure, your heart's been hard, you will control that money. You will use that money as a tool to intimidate and, and bring fear and control. But if your heart's been changed by the gospel, you, you'll be open and free and let, let, other, let other people see and, and be generous and caring and use that power to make people feel secure and loved and take care of their needs. Maybe we could say it this way. Power just is. It's a gift of God. And, 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 and you think about, again, that power in that parent-child relationship. The parent is probably physically, verbally, emotionally, and financially stronger than their child. There, there's just no way around it. The parent has control, has power over that child. And now what is the parent going to do with that power? Is the parent going to be insecure and hard-hearted and use it to control their child? Or are they going to use that power to bless and comfort and make that child feel secure and love, discipline appropriately, and help them? It's all about the heart, what's going on in your heart. Don't you see? Power is not the problem, it's our heart. We need hearts that are changed by the gospel. And so, does Christianity have a power problem? Well, yeah, it does, because it's a human problem. But before you lose your faith, don't, don't go looking for answers out there because there are none. There, there are no answers outside of Christianity to this power problem. It's a human problem across all organizations, across all social movements. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's a problem inside the church. And maybe for some of you, if you've been burned by the church, you've seen corruption, you have to walk away from a certain church or a certain leader or a certain organization, but don't walk away from Jesus. He is the only answer to our power problem. He is the only solution. He is the only one who taught us the proper use of power, not just with words, but with his life. So acknowledge the power that you have as a gift of God and use your power to serve. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray for anyone here who is struggling in their faith. Anyone who's on the brink of walking away, they, they've seen the corruption inside of the Christian church of, of leaders, of institutions throughout history, and, and they wonder, is there any, any other answers? Lord Jesus, be their answer. Show us your power, the power you use to love and to serve and to give up your life for us. And then lead us, Lord Jesus, as Christians to use the power that you've given us to serve. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.